And now, you're catching up with Peach. What's up? What's up? Happy Thursday. I hope your Friday is going great. And I know that's all sorts of wrong, right? But it was such a fun, wild, crazy week in sports. And also, it's episode 13. You already know it it needed to come out on a Friday. You know. Well, what did you watch last week? ESPN called it Feast Week, and we had a slew of college basketball games. Obviously, college football was nuts this past weekend. And the World Cup. So, what was it? What did you watch? Which also reminds me, happy December. Guess I need to add peppermint creamer to my list of things to get at the store. But anyway, let's hop to it. First off, we're going to talk a little World Cup, a little soccer, move into some basketball, and then we'll finish up talking about football. So, here we go. Let's diddle let's diddle. Let's do a little review recap to like where we are right now in World Cup. So it's Thursday morning, just always for context for you guys. But there were, and there, you know, when we started this whole tournament, we had eight groups of four, 32 teams coming into this weekend. Saturday morning starts the knockout stages or what's called the round of 16, meaning you can't finish in a tie anymore. We got to win, win or go home. Um, Groups A through D were decided Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. What is that? E through H are being decided. This is really just a test of how well you know your ABCs. So what are we looking at? Well, in group A, and I'll remind you how we determine who comes out of the group. So two teams advance out of each group based on points. Remember, they got no points for a loss, one point for a tie, three points for a win. So in group A, the Netherlands and Senegal have advanced. Group B, England and the U.S., because yes, the U.S. beat Iran on Tuesday, one to nothing off a Christian Pulisic goal. Group C, Argentina and Poland are coming out of there. Group D, France and Australia. And then by the time this gets to you, you will know about ENF. And then by Saturday morning, when the U.S. are playing again, you will know about G and H. So just the nature of how it goes. Um... But yeah, so Saturday morning, the U.S. plays against the Netherlands. Should be a really tough game. It's bright and early. Get up, have your coffee, watch some of it. I hope you've been enjoying it. And I think it's just fun. And I've said this about the Olympics, too. It's fun with these these world tournaments, right, that each nation and the fans just go all out. So fun. All right, what do we kind of need to know about going into this round of 16, these knockout stages? Well, how does it line up? How are we determining who plays who? So we've got two teams out of each group, right? There's a first place team and a second place team. So looking at A and B, C and D, E and F, you know, G and H. The first team out of A plays the second team out of B. And then the first team out of B plays the second team out of A. And the same happens for C, D, E, F, G, H. Like I said, now I know my ABCs. Some names to know going into the knockout stages. Let's start with the U.S. So the two goal scorers that the United States have had so far, we've only had two goals. In the first game, Tim Weah scored the goal. And in the second game that we had a goal, because it was 0-0 with England in the second game, 
third game against Iran. Christian Pulisic, name to know for sure. He's kind of like the headliner, the star with the United States team. And I brought his name up before. He has an injury. He got injured scoring that goal. And so a lot of talk will be about that. And if he's healthy, if he's ready to go, what the team looks like if he's not able to play. Another name to know would be Tyler Adams. He plays in the midfield, and it's someone I would call a workhorse. And that's kind of—I would have to say that's a soccer term for you. In the midfield, they're really the connection. They're the link. They're running all over the place, and it's not always flashy stuff. They're winning tackles. They're trying to pass and distribute the ball. And he's their captain, and one of the youngest captains they've ever had. And again, this is like the second youngest— World Cup roster the United States has ever brought. So there's a couple names for you to know on the U.S. side. And the rest of and the rest of the World Cup brackets, if you will. Leo Messi, we've talked about him with Argentina. It's his last, and it's his fifth World Cup, but it's his last one. It's also Cristiano Ronaldo with Portugal. It's also his fifth World Cup. And he's the first player ever to score in five different World Cups. Neymar with Brazil, a lot of these guys, you know them by just one name. We've talked about this before, but Neymar had an ankle injury. He's kind of listed as day-to-day as well, and they think he'll be ready for the round of 16, but obviously some things are still to be decided. They think he's going to be good to go, but another kind of topic. Another name I'll give you is Thomas Muller with Germany. He's a veteran, been around the game a long time. And then last but not least, I'll give you Mbappe um, for France. And France, as a reminder, uh, I was about to say last year, but last tournament's champion. It wouldn't be last year. It's every four years. So that tells you how long players like Messi and Ronaldo have been playing if it's their fifth World Cup and it only happens every four years. But Mbappe with France, if they were to win and they were to repeat, it would be the first team ever to do it since 1960. So... There we are. And for the U.S., this is their third straight knockout round appearance. So in 2010, 2014, we didn't qualify in 2018. And then now in 2022, we have made it to the knockout stages. So good deal there. As a reminder, if it ends tied, we go into two 15-minute halves, so to speak, of overtime. And if it's still tied after that, we go down to penalty kicks. You want to talk about nerve-wracking? All right, that's enough World Cup. Let's move on to basketball. All right, we are primarily going to focus on college with basketball because, like I said, a lot of games were played last week. A lot of fun stuff happened. A lot of whoa happened. But really, it's centered around the Phil Knight Legacy and the Phil Knight Invitational tournaments. Phil Knight being the founder of Nike, they were celebrating in Portland. They were celebrating his 85th birthday. But then there was this also, there was also this other tournament called the Bad Boy Mowers Battle for Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Gesundheit. Coming out of those games that we had last week, I just got to say, hello, Purdue Boilermakers. They were ranked 24th, like last week. And then at the start of this week, they're ranked 5th. They jumped 19 spots. How did they do that? They beat West Virginia by 12. They beat Gonzaga by 18 and Duke by 19. And both Gonzaga and Duke are top 10 teams. And a lot of talk is about Zach Eady. 7-4, he's a center, he's a big guy, and I will say, I, I'm i a Big Ten basketball fan, I will say that. I've grown up watching Big Ten basketball, so I watched Zach Eady last year, and watching him from last year to this year, the thing about this is, and we'll do a little just basketball knowledge for you, 
big guys, the centers who are your seven-footers or maybe you're their 6'9", six, 6'10", six, you know, whatever, the, the taller guys in the group, they a lot of times, their, their bread and butter is scoring the layups. Underneath the basket, dunks, we call them maybe like bunny shots or gimme shots. They're right there. But the thing about it is when you have a guy that's 7'4", like Zach Eady, he a lot of times will draw a double team. So if he's down there, another player will come over aside from the one that's guarding him to double. So when that happens and there's all that pressure on him with two players, somebody else is open, right? So it's really important that your big guys know how to pass out of a double team. You'll hear people talk about that. How can they distribute and pass out of a double team? He has improved on that drastically and also his free throw percentage. I mean, I will say this until the cows come home. They are free throws. You get to stand there at the line. Nobody is in your way. And especially, you know, those big centers I'm talking about, specifically Zach Eady with Purdue, he gets to the line a lot because people don't know how to handle his size. And so if you're going to get fouled a lot, sharpen up those free throw skills. And he has done just that. So shout out to Purdue. Going to be a fun team to watch. Keep your eye on them this year. Houston, switching gears now to talk about some other teams. Houston is ranked number one in the AP poll, AP being Associated Press, for the first time since 1983. Alabama took down North Carolina after four overtimes. So in basketball, you can't have ties. You go into overtimes. In college basketball, it's five-minute overtime periods. And UNC, you know, they were ranked number one. They were looking kind of good. And as of today, they've lost like three straight. So... You know, but credit to Alabama. Credit where credit is due. Also, Tennessee. Tennessee Vols, they snapped the Jayhawks, which would be who? Kansas. Kansas last year's champs, okay? So, again, we always talk about this in any sport, keeping our eye on the defending champs, right? Just like we're paying attention to France and the World Cup. But the Tennessee Vols snapped a 17-game winning streak that the Jayhawks had dating back to last season. So, there we are. On a not-so-positive note, as I was just checking a few things before I hopped in the studio this morning, the Louisville Cardinals are 0-7 for their worst start since 1940 and 1941. And it's not that I want to be a negative Nelly coming in here talking about that, but yike. I've paid attention to Louisville basketball a little bit in the past couple years, and they have struggled up and down with different coaches in and out. And so I think I'm, I pull for underdogs. I pull sometimes for those teams that people don't care about or people have seemed to forgotten about. So Owen Simmons not looking too good for the Louisville Cardinals. Um, and that result comes after playing Maryland right now this week. I should say there's the Big Ten ACC, you know, challenge, if you will. And basically what that is, it's it's a little tune-up maybe between the Big Ten Conference, which is your, you know, your mid Midwestern teams, so to speak, and then ACC Atlantic Coastal Conference. They, every year, they pick one team from each to play each other and they differ from year to year and it's just a little final tune-up it's a fun little competitive thing between I would say that the Big Ten and the ACC are probably the best conferences remember we talked about those power five conferences they're probably the best conferences in college basketball and it's just kind of a fun thing to see those teams because once conference play starts they're not really playing each other. So anyway, that's a little bit about college basketball. Oh, I do want to tell you a couple things just about the game. I already mentioned that there are the overtimes are five minutes. And then there's also something called media and TV timeouts. And that's basically just, you know, we got to make sure we get our advertisers in there. Let's be honest. But 
At the under 16-minute mark, the under 12, the under 8, and the under 4, there are media timeouts or TV timeouts. You'll hear them called. Each team still has their respective amount of timeouts, but that's just another extra breather that they get to make sure, you know, TV business and such. Uh, Let's see. Possession arrow. This is such a tricky thing to explain, but I want to try my hand at it. A basketball game starts with a tip-off. You have a player from each team, probably those big centers I was talking about earlier, come to the the center circle, center arc, not too different from hockey, if you remember that explanation a couple weeks ago. Referee tips the ball up, and you have each player go up and try and win what's called the tip-off. And they start with possession of the ball. There's a possession arrow that they have on the scores desk, the scores table, that that possession arrow will then move to the other team. The possession arrow matters for something called jump ball. So say you have a player from each team in kind of a scuffle or a scramble, and they're both holding on to the ball, kind of like tug of war, and they don't want to let go. You'll hear the referees blow their whistle and hold two thumbs up to signal a jump ball. Well, back in the old days, they actually did a jump ball. But now they use something called the possession arrow, and that means wherever the possession arrow is— that's who gets the ball after a tie-up. And that really, I feel like, only matters when it's getting down to cases at the end of a game and it's getting a little scrappy and the game's close. So that's the possession arrow. Not the easiest thing in the world to explain, but I hope that makes sense for you. I don't want to forget about the women's side of college basketball, and hopefully we'll talk more about this in weeks to come, but two names I want to give you to know, Caitlin Clark at Iowa and Aaliyah Boston at South Carolina. South Carolina are last year's champs, and if they were to repeat, they would be the first to do so since UConn. The UConn Huskies did it in 2015 and 2016. And really when you think about women's college basketball as a whole— You've got Tennessee Volunteers and their coach, Pat Summit, who passed away more than a couple years ago now, but I still think of her name when I think of women's college basketball, and she's done a lot for the sport, had like the most career wins at the time of her passing. So Pat Summit with Tennessee Vols, and then the Yukon Huskies and Gino Ariyama, their coach. So that's, that's royalty, if you will, in the college basketball world for the women's side. Their rankings right now, um, South Carolina's at one, Stanford's at two, UConn's at three, Ohio State at four, and Indiana at five. Just so you kind of know who's at the top of the mix right now. All right, that's enough basketball. Let's get to some football. All right, I'm going to mix it up on you today. We're going to talk a little NFL first and then move into the college world. There's really just more going on in the college world, so let's hit some of those NFL headlines. Uh, first things first, Aaron Rodgers got hurt and his, he had a rib injury. Right now the controversy is should he play, should he not play? He wants to play this upcoming weekend. Their record is 4-8 and eight right now, so only four wins to eight losses. From my little peanut gallery standpoint, I don't know why he'd play, but that's just one of the headlines in the NFL. The Broncos. Um, 14 offensive touchdowns for 128 drives. And you're thinking, drives? We're going on a drive? No, maybe you're driving. But in football, a drive is every time, like, the offense gets the ball. And they're trying to march downfield. They're trying to accrue first downs. So for them to have only scored 14 touchdowns for 128 tries, essentially, yeah, it's their worst since 2012. Not a good ratio. 
Also, on a positive note, we'll end on an upswing. Josh Jacobs with the Las Vegas Raiders. He's a running back. He had 33 carries this past Sunday. So 33 meaning he was handed off the ball 33 times for 229 yards and two touchdowns. Set a single-game franchise record. Franchise meaning, you know, the organization. So shout out to Josh Jacobs. All right, just a couple quick things in the NFL. Let's move on to some college All right, so in the college football world, there have been some hirings, and I'm just going to let you know, like, who's going where. Not Again, not for you to keep track of, just for you to know, oh, yeah, that name sounds familiar. I heard Peach say that. Hugh Freeze is going to Auburn. David Shaw stepped down, resigned as the Stanford head coach. Luke Fickle is going to Wisconsin, and then Matt Rule is going to Nebraska. You'll remember Matt Rule just got let go from the Carolina Panthers. Luke Fickle's coming from Cincinnati. Um, and the other name kind of right now people are throwing around, Deion Sanders. A couple schools are interested in him, rightly so. Uh, I, I don't really know who's in the lead. I know Colorado's trying to make some noise to get him to go out there. So we'll see what happens. What a weekend. I mean, we already know college football was born to be wild. But these games, though, oh, my goodness. So first up, and I hyped this up so much last week, Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan walked away with it 45-23, to and it was just a dominant second half by Michigan. South Carolina upset Clemson 31-30. to Oregon State beat Oregon, another upset, 38-34. to And last but not least, USC was, I mean, they were supposed to win against Notre Dame, but they did win. So those games matter because now we look at the new college football playoff rankings, which is one of the reasons I'm recording this episode later because I thought, as as the couple days after I started to think about it, listening, and I thought, okay, maybe I kind of have an idea of what they're going to do, but, you know, little little shakeups here. So UGA is coming in at number one. Nothing's changed there. Dogs on top. Michigan moves into number two. TCU's at three. So those three teams are undefeated. USC is a one-loss team that's getting in. Ohio State's going to be at five. Bama's going to be at six. Tennessee at seven. Penn State at eight. Clemson at nine. Kansas State at ten. So I can just hear Alabama fans being upset that Ohio State is ahead of them. But Alabama, you have two losses. Ohio State has one. And Ohio State also just has some some good wins. So the only reason that those five, six, maybe even seven spots would matter is if this upcoming weekend, which are the, the conference championships, which I'll get to that in a second, the only reason that like Ohio State or Alabama's placement really would matter is if one of those teams loses. So what do we have this weekend? We have the conference championships. So in the Pac-12, USC is going to play Utah. In the Big 12, TCU is going to play Kansas State. In the SEC, UGA is going to play LSU. Big 10 is Michigan against Purdue. And ACC is going to be North Carolina and Clemson. So really with those games and how we get that is there's like East and West in the conferences, and so it's like the winner of each for the regular season play each other for the, you know, conference championship. But we're looking at USC, looking at TCU, looking at UGA, looking at Michigan. If they went, if all of those teams win like they're supposed to this weekend, those are going to probably be your, your top four teams that are going in to play in the college football playoff. The rest, what happens to the rest, you might, rest, you might ask? They play in bowl games. 
And you got like the Rose Bowl, the Peach Bowl. There's all kinds of different bowls going on. But that all happens in December. And to be continued where bowl games comes from, because I had someone ask me, where's where bowl games? Where does that even come from? Um, so, yes, we'll get to talking more about the bowl games the closer it gets to it. But for now, I think, I think that's who it's going to be. UGA, Michigan, TCU, USC. And that means we have a representative from the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the SEC. It's kind of strange to not have Clemson in there. They've been kind of a mainstay in the college football playoff since its debut back in, oh gosh, what was it, like 2015, 2016, something like that. Um, But yeah, that's who we're working with. And before I sign off for today, I have to give a shout out to my friend Davis listening in Georgia. And he sent me a text and asked me a great question. I want to pose this to you guys too food for thought. He asked me if I thought that soccer, the referees in soccer had too much of a say looking in comparison to other sports. And I think it's a fantastic question. And to be honest, I don't even know if I have a good answer for that because I played soccer. So I'm a little biased. I'm like, yeah, this is just the way the rules are. But if you're watching the World Cup, they do have quite a bit of say But I also think like the VAR that they use, the video assistant referee, could be beneficial in some other sports. So when I think about basketball and I think about football and how they can overturn calls, it just may be a little bit more highlighted in soccer, but I think it's pretty even across the board. I don't know. What do you think? Let me know. As always, grateful to be here. Hope you enjoyed it. Enjoy some of those college football championship games this weekend. And of course, the World Cup USA tomorrow morning, bright and early. I'll be back same time, same place next week. Thanks for catching up with Peach.